You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new centerfire rifle ammunition terminal ascent. Now, the terminal ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The terminal ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet, and it comes in a variety of cartridges, including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06, and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com. And while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Hey guys, welcome back to Land and Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And Matt Dye is Chicago? Chicago right now, yes. Yeah, very cool. In the cool. airport, waiting to board and get back home. Yep, so and, you uh, are flying back from Ohio, an ongoing yeah. project that we have going over there uh, in, I guess, southeastern Ohio. Uh, Ohio's a weird state to give directions to. <laughs> when people say, oh, yeah, I'm on the east side, I'm always like, okay, yeah, wait. It's almost like trying to say on a circle. You're in the eastern side. It's like, well, how is that kind of working? Um <laughs> And so I just had that conversation with a guy. Uh, he said he hunts eastern and, and northeastern. I was like, oh, really? And he told me the town, and I looked. I'm like, well, that is no way near, n- nowhere near where I thought southeast Ohio or eastern Ohio was. Right. You're, yeah, I would call that northeast, but it's, anyway. Especially when you get to the southern portions, I feel like sometimes, like, like southeast is just, like, this giant unit, like, and, and the people are like, oh, I'm just southeast Ohio, but, like, yeah. There's like only a small little portion of Southwest Ohio because the the East just wants to bleed over just based on the shape of it. But yeah. you know that's been a fun <clears throat> a fun project and a project that's been evolving for years now. Really, yeah. um, you've Was been it there. Two thousand and seventeen, the first visit uh, <sighs> on this specific property. Yeah, I want to say it was two thousand seventeen, um, or or. 17 or 18 one of the, one of the two yeah but um 18 you know and it, it was 2018 was it yeah <clears throat> okay yeah 2018 yeah. and um you know that was with todd watts who's been on the podcast multiple times talking about you know the pond that he's built on this property you know same same property but now it's switched hands and we're working on you know same property for different goals and different objectives. And I think that's kind of, if you will, the heart of the podcast this week. It's like, we've got the same property, but but based on ownership changes, we've got different goals for the same property. And therefore, not that the overall management completely shifts, but there's some drastic things that are changing based on new goals, new, new goals, but also, new direction. also the, uh, one of the biggest differences is going to be 
um, living on the property and not living on the mm-hmm. property. Yeah, and 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 having, having more more hands than just one man. <clears throat> we have one way more hands to work and get stuff done, but then at the same time too, it's it's those same hands who are working are also holding a gun, and so therefore you need way more spots to be able to hunt, way more wins. Like we've got a family of four kids and and multiple hunters, um, and adults, parents, and everything too. So you know what hunting setups or would have worked for one owner isn't going to work for that many people. And, and so having a property, like you never want to tell a kid, no, you can't go hunting or no, we can't go hunting. So like you have to have and set it up appropriately where, yeah, we, there's some really good deer that are on the place. We actually saw one of them last night from, from the house in, in an adjacent food plot, but like there's some good deer. So, all that combined you've got to set it up and hunt it from season opener to the close of season really wisely and i think that that big change in ownership has really caused us to almost look at things with a really really fine-tooth comb and make the necessary changes to accommodate that yeah and i feel like a lot of times when you when you own a property or you bought one, you're like, oh, this is really, really, we, we, when we talk about the term all the time, turnkey. Well, is it turnkey for you or is it turnkey for the person who had it? Like, don't be afraid to look at a property and see really good habitat, really good hunting locations, a lot of things already done. Don't be afraid to change those, though, too. I feel like you can get stuck in a rut almost with like, oh, well, this is just how it is. Well, that doesn't mean that's how it has to be all the time. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we, we use the term 80 grit management a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and 80 grit is kind of a good metaphor for uh, a lot of times when we show up to a property, um, when we show up, the first initial is like, okay, we need to do 80 grit. It requires a lot of rough cuts, kind of a, it's not we're not fi- we're not fine tuning or getting down to the nitty gritty and perfectly. We just need change quickly, um, and so that's where the eighty grit management. But this project has been ongoing. Um, we spent a good amount of time in Ohio, so much so that we kind of laugh about it. It's our second residency, um, and so you know there's a lot of return trips so it's getting out of 80 grit and it's getting more down to the mm-hmm. the fine grit of going okay you know the habitat is really making some drastic changes now we really need to focus on the exact layout trying to maximize every acre to where there's plenty of sets there's plenty of hunting locations there's plenty of bedding locations to where the whole family can enjoy it from when it opens up October 1 and closes up at the at basically the end of the year or just after, and well, I'm totally taking a taking a swing at uh, Ohio seasons because I haven't hunted it. So I'm just like I think that's about right, but it's like the last Saturday of September is when it opens, and then it'll actually close in February. Oh, dang. Like the second week of February. So yeah, there's a really wide like swath of time that you know you have to keep a property and the the animals on there really feeling secure, but you know it's got the ability to do that with the cover that that was there existing from 
a massive amount of old field management on the property, but, but also in the last five or six months, new owners have taken hold of chainsaws and not let go. I mean, we, there, there is now probably 18 to 20 acres of clear cuts now, in addition to all the cover that was already there, mm. dotted out throughout the whole property. And that, that took work. I mean, that, that, that's, that's some pretty intensive labor to be able to implement all of that. But those are maturing. And, and I think that that's the other, or one of the other really cool things about it is like, those were begun in, let's just say March 1, really low, last part of February, but March 1 and cut till about April one april 10 something like that and mm. and you look back like that's when coronavirus hit like that's when it really got heavy hot and heavier but in that amount of time we went back to those areas and we looked over them and the regeneration is great and it's fantastic and it's supporting well you go in there there's already adequate cover there's a lot more food there's a lot more opportunities for nesting for bugging areas there's songbirds were going crazy in and around these areas and just the vegetation is now at a height and a growth and density where right during fall we're gonna have some deer bedding in there and that that's just a matter of one growing season uh, and you're there what what kind of and, regeneration are we looking at is it so lots of brambles lots of woody brows lots of herbaceous plants or lots of invasive lot. species Lots of woody browse, um, a lot of, you know, some stump sprouting, some root sprouting, um, a lot of herbaceous things, though, too. We're seeing goldenrod popping up throughout a lot of those units. We're seeing um, American burnweed, of course. That's that's kind of year one. Pokeweed everywhere. Um, a lot of uh, – there, there's some Japanese honeysuckle in some of these areas. Yeah. Um, burning on a rotation – this property just has quite a bit of Japanese Italian suckle spread throughout. So that wasn't a, a huge shock, but um, quite a bit of brambles too. Blackberry, um, definitely some uh, mayor's tail too coming up in some of these areas. But when we're looking at the height and structure of most of the stuff, again, this time frame, it's just blown up. Mm. It's, it's, it's been awesome. And not only have those cuts been implemented, like, you know, just, one and a half, two acre ish size units in, in the, the heart of timbered areas, but some areas that, that were just, if you will, left alone. They weren't they weren't old field. They were just openings from way back when. And there's probably now fifteen of those acres. Those acres were in, in a uh, gosh, a downward spiral from what they were offering and the direction that they were headed. They were very heavy um invasive species very heavy vines very tough to get in tackle and manage but their locations just just kind of by happenstance were in areas that would have been great sanctuaries and so there were at, they were offering some some cover based on the density of them but honestly the course and the direction that was going was was bad from from an overall health of landscape and the species there were just were just poor, so those have been completely cleared out, dozed out. Big Buck Hotel, which is a a native blend from Pure Air Natives, has been planted and that's coming in pretty decently. Um, it's been a it's been kind of a tough growing season out there. A lot of rain early, and then it's like the sprinkler just absolutely shut off. But the natives are doing really good, and they're coming in. We're seeing that 
that basically expected growth in there you're one from from natives so they're they're peeking their head up and and they're present so that's another very encouraging thing but so from the number of acres of clear cuts that were put in there's again 20 ish or so and then all this um, native uh, grasses and, and forbed growth that's been planted that's now getting to a, a maturing stage over the next couple of years that, that's 35 almost 40 acres worth of additional cover just like that right off the bat so we've got isolated pockets of dense dense cover you say 35 acres <laughs> remind us again that's that's the bedding thickets plus the planted plus plus yes plus those areas and then you how know, many the... acres of old field <laughs> oh lordy um on, on this 530, 50 acres right in the ballpark, there's probably easily now 150 acres of old field. So you're looking just well, under you're, you're, 200 acres of pretty quality cover. Uh, yeah. Quality cover, quality forage, both from the woody brow standpoint, good winter forage and spring and then of course year round but really when they focus in on it and then the old field of spring and summer going into fall we're we're talking 200 acres of like the 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 type of cover that is 100 percent five six foot and down like there's there's not like a question of oh is that mediocre decent cover no it's like that's what we want yeah and i don't i don't think that many places could say hey half the property is is providing that ample cover that everyone's desiring and looking for. I mean, that, that's yeah. a lot of cover to be able to hold deer. But then you go and look at all the additional acres of uh, food plots. There, there's probably 60 acres of food plots. And, and those have been – some of those well, – there's been a couple, like, smaller food plots opened up, but some have, have decreased in size. Um, it just depends on, on the layout of the – the locations that they were in previously. Um, so with the addition of a couple acres, new, newly freshly dozed areas um, or opened up areas, let's say we've created more hunting locations. And then the ones that maybe have shrunk down or have changed locations are offering better, just access. And, and so boundary road systems have and, and implementing those over the last, let's say, few months has certainly allowed for way more security to be offered across the place and, and, and sticking to that road system. So you can still go out with the family and enjoy and see deer across from the old field and, and larger larger views and landscapes. But when you're on the outside, everything is interior of you. And so you're keeping that center very secure. And, and, and then, again, with 200-plus acres of, of ideal cover, they not, they're not going anywhere. Like we're, yeah. we're watching deer. You know, you're, you're driving up and getting just relatively close to them, and, and they're not bounding away. Like They're in cover. They know they're in cover, and they're fine. And, and so it just makes the property not only increase in use, usable space for, for whitetails, but also from the enjoyment standpoint of the whole family. Yeah. That's that's fun to see. It's you know, fun to watch it develop and grow and, and mature into what these what these new owners are looking for. Yeah. Todd, so the previous owner, Todd, great friend of ours, he he was really getting rocking on this old field management when oh, yeah. when we visited with him or you visited with him in twenty eighteen. <laughs> 
there was this big major push. He had a lot of food plots in place, mm-hmm. um, or a, a good amount of food plots in place, and now it was shifting to old field management, and then the and then the uh, bedding thickets, and so right, it went right. from you know the the old field. Of course, he came on the podcast and talked about mm-hmm. how much the old field was like. Oh my goodness, this is just crazy. The change that's happening on the place, yeah. and then when he decided to part <laughs> ways with the farm. And uh, the current owner took over. It was like, all right, we're continuing that, but then we're going to get even more in depth. And yes. they've really gone into the old field management. Prescribed fire has been implemented um, even more. Um, and then when the those young forests, those bedding thickets took hold, it's like now we're getting to a point. And so I say all that because what's most exciting to me on this whole project and should – I guess one of the biggest takeaways on this podcast is I feel like people get stuck in a rut to where it's like, uh-huh. okay, this month I do this, and that month I do that, and that month I do that. And you do the same thing over and over, and then they're just like, at some point I'd love to get to it. I'd love to I'd love to see a change in the deer herd. But you're, you're doing the same stuff over and over, expecting different results. And we know that's the definition of insanity. And so... Todd shift to the new owner. You go old field. Now let's carry the torch and expand upon what he's done. Now let's do the young forest, these bedding thickets. Let's manage with prescribed fire. Let's plant the natives. Let's fine-tune our food plot program. And you do that. And now we're third year into this. And we're going to get into more of a set the cruise control rather than try to gain our speed and get to that. We're going to set the cruise control, and now let's just be in routine maintenance, not the actual overhaul trying to get to where we want to be. And so many times people think, ah, I just there's too much work. But, you know, if you can grind it out and do the work the first couple of years of implementing a plan, you really can get to a point where it's like, wow, we're kind of on routine maintenance now. The work has been done. We really just have to continue the pace of of just making sure it's not getting out of hand. You know, you're not going to have drastic changes in a, in a deer herd and the, the size or the quality unless you do drastic changes to the habitat. Yeah. And, and there was already great deer here. Todd had, had harvested and had documentation of a fantastic deer the first year or first first month onto the property of the new owners last year they they killed a uh, 170 inch deer i mean it was a great property already but but it's still climbing we're still taking those strides and so like last year i want to say 25 plus those were harvested on the property this is 500 500 and a half acres like that's a lot of deer being harvested and guess what they're seeing though this year from a from a management side of things when it comes to the actual deer herd itself away from the property management to the deer herd because it's it's rare to find and see it go without twins like mm. we're, we have changed that we have seen a very positive response in in that um regeneration from from the farms like because we're gonna have to continue to to you know have the foot on the gas when it comes to managing those those levels and the carrying capacity and social stress and everything but yeah. 
He goes, what, what that was an indication to me was, Hey, we can, we can reduce the deer numbers. They're responding and they're responding really, really well. And he goes, I know that that was another sign to me that there's quality cover out there. He goes, if most, most of the does we're seeing have twins, he goes, that tells me that I'm giving them what they need. Yeah. Because they're not aborting fawns. The fawns have cover to hide in. There's coyotes, bobcats, just like every other property around here. And imagine imagine having that much cover and how many more coyotes you would have on a property. Like they're there. Yeah. But he's still seeing successful reproduction and, and at really good rates on the property. So all those signs are are, are cues that hey I'm I'm headed in the right direction, but heading in the right direction and being done or satisfactory to, to uh, what they're looking for are two different things. Yeah, and, so and that's a great example of what we've mentioned before, but we'll reiterate again is when you take a property and you start going, okay, full-fledged, we're making, we're doing management with meaning. We're going to actually manage native plant communities. We're going to increase the amount of year-round forage everything from woody browse to brambles to herbaceous plants to grass native grasses for quality cover uh, more shrub more of a shrubby component all those things Mm -hmm. you see game you see wildlife populations increase and because of that increase or part of that increase is because does no longer have as much stress there's more food available, so therefore they have twins um, or triplets. But then there comes another problem that people forget is your management may shift from habitat management to herd management to yeah. where you your problem could be low-quality habitat. But when you turn that around and you go, okay, now we have quality habitat, your biggest problem likely can be a overpopulation of, of, of prey species like white-tailed deer. And then, here, and then what happens with that is they can begin to start eating that vegetation, higher stress levels, and therefore the population declines back down. So if you can know what your management goal is or laid out goal for these three years, okay, these last three years, habitat. Next three years is going to be maintaining habitat and maintaining herd populations. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good point. I mean, it goes to show, like, you know, again, Todd had, had done some amazing things to the property and, and had a drastically improved it. But one guy, it's not feasible to keep up with that number of does. No. So, so, so having Todd. a family of mul- yeah, multiple hunters, that's a great thing for the property. You know, they were able to, to efficiently remove the number of deer needed, and, and they're going to be able to continue to do that. And so, and then and this is a whole other podcast topic that we talked about. But there's a there's a stark difference between property management and herd management. And a lot of times you just hear like, "Oh, that person he's managing the farm." Well, what does that mean? Like, what does that management mean? But I'll say this: if you want a premier, top quality, top notch farm, you're doing both. Yeah, it's not one or the other. It, it's it's both. And so, um, a lot to of see, to see a family do that and come together and work together is awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. A lot of really good farms that have had quality habitat, higher quality habitat for the neighborhood, have declined in the quality of their 
game species because they didn't manage the game species the same way they managed mm-hmm. the habitat. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I, I just like, man, how many times can we say that to where it's like, yes, you got the habitat improving. Don't forget to shoot does. Yeah. And, and I, I want to say this to, cause I know they'll, they'll listen, but I want this to be an encouragement to everyone else out there. Who's like slightly afraid of making changes. These landowners, the landowner's family, they hadn't ever owned land before. They had leased property. They had hunted it, but it was just strictly like I'm putting out cameras in August and I'm, and I'm hunting the property. Yeah. So therefore, new ownership of a property, how do we manage this? Like how do we how do we do this? Like I, I, They had not gone in and ever done TSI. They had never done a prescribed fire. They had never planted a field, never spread fertilizer. Like never done any of that. Like they had never hunted over food plots. Period. They had just hunted over, you know, timber and 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 some uh, supplemental feed stuff. So it's like this whole introduction to land management was brand spanking new, and the only way to figure it out is to get out there and do it. And they figured it out, and they're continuing to figure it out. So they they've they've done a lot of fantastic work as we've talked about, but I want that to be encouragement because to other people, they didn't, they didn't know how to create a bedding area. They didn't know how to broadcast natives. They didn't know how to calibrate a seed drill. They didn't know how to spray a food plot. Guess what? The only way to do it is just to go and do it and figure it out and work with people who know how and can help you along the way. And now, again, the changes that they've seen, that encouragement, like I mean, those changes are encouragement for them. Like, wow, we did that, guys. Like, literally, we we burnt that this February, and it's come back screaming. Like, it is awesome stuff. What do you think and, the the landowner and, and team have? <clears throat> maybe they'll come on the podcast sometime. But yeah, what has been their Based on now, they've owned the farm not even a year. Yeah, not even a year. So, in over the course of months, they've gone through planting food plots. They've gone through prescribed fire. They've gone through old field management, correct? Mm-hmm. They've mm-hmm. gone through yep. uh, some bedding thickets or young forest management. What have they – is there anyone that ranks – out of all the things they've done, is there any of them that rank highest on the list of like – Wow, that was the that was immediate results. I think that the biggest thing for them was seeing so like like they had <clears throat> continued to, to maintain and refine some of the old field areas, like going back in and, and spraying some of the fescue out and everything. So they had some some um, time spraying, but then they had time resetting the old field, and so like burning it this February, I think was like that aha moment one. They loved it. Like it was, just, it was the like greatest thing since sliced bread. Right? Had a blast doing it. But then they were like, "Okay, literally, how long is this going to take to come back?" And so they kind of doubted how quickly the response would be. But now yeah. you look at it into a trained eye, you can see slightly difference, slight difference in height of of the cover. I mean, we're talking inches and whatnot, but like ground cover and. Uh, freshness of vegetation and palatability tenderness this and that like 
there's a difference. But they were thinking it would take a year. Like they, they, were, they were expecting like two foot of regrowth, but now it's like, oh no, <laughs> we're, we're, we're hip high going into the beginning of August kind of thing. And so it's rocking and rolling. By the end of this growing season, they're going to be back to normal height. And that, that has floored them. Um, that that type of response from the old field and the injury transfer, um, that, that vegetation just responding so drastically. It was black, March 1. And they're like, dude, it greened up faster than anything else. I was like, yeah, I know. It's awesome. <laughs> so <sighs> I think that that was just like a – they cannot wait. The, the next one – of, one of the next units, I should say, one of the next – you know, it's big. It, it's it's more or less thirty acres or so of an old field unit, and they are just. I mean, they can't wait for for March, February time frame to be able to get in there and burn it, and they're itching mm. to do it. That's awesome. So I, w- I would say that's that's been um, one of the one of the coolest things I think. Um, put, you know, cutting in twenty acres. I think at the end of it, they're like, all right, cool. That was a lot of fun. We're seeing some great response, but. I could set the chainsaw down for a little bit and, and, and not feel sad about it. Um, but, you know, football-wise, I, I feel like if, if uh, they had more rain earlier in the summer uh, and, and that hadn't just kind of shut off, food plots would be way on up there. Um, but overall, they've, they've picked up on rains and, and they're looking great going into going into fall. So That's awesome. All in all, it's, it's, it's a heck of a heck of a exchange in – ownership to just pick up where it was left off and then just go from fifth right into sixth gear and just keep on grinding it. Hmm. Yeah. So hopefully that's encouraging to a lot of our listeners who, cause you know, we, we've consulted now since 2017, we worked with a lot of landowners, in a lot of places. And I think, I mean, what keeps us in business is the fact that it can be overwhelming. Um, and also not having direction. Well, if you listen to the other podcasts this week, you'll hear some kind of uh, some discussion on on different things. But having a direction and knowing what to do, and having the um, confirmation that what you do is going to make a fairly quickly impact on the wildlife. Um, because I think you know the the flashy silver bullets, instant gratification goes with a lot of product. And not mm-hmm. always with habitat management techniques. And yeah. so, uh, with that being with that being said, um, there is some great opportunities. Uh, and this this farm is a great example of, you know, it doesn't take very long to see the results and see the wildlife adapting to it. That's definitely true. And uh, any any time that you can see those wins and see that that type of response you're looking for for the management that you're doing those practices is all the fuel you need to keep going and um, they've got lots of fuel it's always good to just to take that time and slow down be like listen guys this is the response we want i i flew the drone over some areas and they're like let's sit down and go through these things because this is exactly what we want to see and show them like see how this could connect with that all these different things are like oh I got it. I get it. So that's certainly uh, certainly beneficial to slow down, yeah. observe, and awesome. watch what what you've done. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a good reminder too that um, you know hunting season is getting ready to to start up. Um, there's yep. a lot of guys that are really 
I mean, shoot, there's people hunting out west right now for pronghorn. Um, oh, yeah. There's going to be people hunting for, uh, well, shoot, Tennessee. I think Tennessee's doing the velvet hunt. Um, and then there's going to be guys headed west. So, you know, we're getting ready to be full force into hunting season. But mm-hmm. that's also mm-hmm. a good reminder that we're going to be, as soon as that's over, full, full-fledged consulting season. Yes. And with that being said, we're already booking consults for January and February. Um, and so you guys, if you are interested and you're wanting to hit that time slot with us as soon as deer season's over to get after it so you can have a lot of work done before the next spring green up and growing season, give us an email. Shoot us an email yeah. at info at TV. Yep. It's filling up pretty quickly, which is a great thing. Um, but to, to be able to take advantage of that kind of pre-growing season, I'd, I'd certainly encourage everyone to, to reach out sooner rather than later to get on the calendar. Absolutely. So, well, Matt, travel safe, man. Yeah. I'm getting ready to board now, so hopefully I'll be home shortly. And um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get some rain this week. Golly, it doesn't look like it, though. No, it does not. Uh, it does not. Kind of Get back sad. into that. Oh, gosh. Man, I tell you what. The last three growing seasons, fall growing seasons, have been awful. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, fun stuff. But yeah. hopefully somebody's getting rain somewhere. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, sounds good. We'll uh, we'll catch up and, and see everyone next week, I guess. Yeah, that's right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.